Hello, I'm Michael Heyman, and you're listening to Changemakers. Now, it's been wisely said that journeys are the midwives of thought. But in recent times, our yearning to get away from it all has been seriously curtailed. But for my guest today, the dream lives on. Not least because the great escape and the romance of travel have been the pillars of her business, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And I'm joined today by the CEO and co-founder, Tamara Lorne. Tamara, welcome to Changemakers. Absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, great. Listen, I mean, we, we want to talk about getting away from it all. This is, a, this is a time where I'm sure more of us would like to do that. Um, I, I really would like to start with that idea about travel in this sort of time of trouble, I suppose, in terms of we can't do as much of it. It's such an important part of, of who we are and what we're about. Tell us about 2020 from the perspective of someone who loves travel, loves movement, loves getting away from it all. Oh, wow. So let's start back in um, January. I think I had 10 trips planned ahead of me this year uh, for everywhere to the Far East, to LA, to visit our office in LA, uh, to New York, to do a, uh, a launch party. I mean, the, the the diary ahead of me was just full of stuff to look forward to, uh, to plan ahead, and and to just to roam uh, with the kids, without the kids. There was just a bit of everything and variety. And then, obviously, you know, COVID happened, and and everything just stopped. And every, and I think, you know, as a travel company, what was so devastating was just seeing all that forward bookings all the forward planning just wash away and so it's not just about think about it as a different business we'll talk about travel but as a business you know if you have to shut your doors you then don't get any new customers for travel it was an unwinding of all the business we had done in the last four to six months because obviously people plan ahead um, so, so quite so frightening, I'd imagine. Very frightening. Yeah. Do, do you do you think that I mean obviously, you know, the, the travel and, and the hotel sector, I mean, the story is now well told about just how much trouble there is in, in, in that sector. You have evolved the business, kept it going. What have you learned about yourself in a very troubling year? Um, well, the, the word that's bandied around a lot is resilience. Um, and what's incredible is, you know, how the team at Mr. and Mrs. Smith have been able to move quickly. And I think moving quickly and decisively has been absolutely key in all of this. And their ability to just take on change I think, you know, we underestimated our ability to do that. You know, in, in the past, if you made any change in the business, you'd kind of plan it out and do it slowly and take people on this journey. We didn't have time for that. <laughs> it all had to happen at once. And and the ability of the team to just take that on board and run with it and make the best of it is is something, you know, incredible. You mentioned your team there. And actually, in the lockdown list, you, you, you've mentioned that the team as your inspiration. Um in terms of the ability to get through, what 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 have what have they done? What have you worked together on to, I guess, reinvent the business? Well, I I mean, the whole plan uh, has been the business has been re-strategized. Um, the teams brought together, working in completely different ways. We've uh, gone fully distributed, so I think you know a lot of uh, businesses 
are thinking differently about office space, but um, a lot of them are still keeping some kind of office. We've gone fully distributed, fully global, uh, and no offices around the world. And so it's, you know, it's that ability to stay. Our, our war room daily sessions are funny. You know, we laugh a lot in the face of adversity. We come together, we plan. We're, they're not afraid to challenge me. They're not afraid to challenge each other. And that's what makes it an incredible team, I think. They've seen me through it. They've seen you through it. And I suppose that speaks to the internal business culture and being innovative and, and resilient. When you look at the role of travel, um, you, you um, published a report last year which, which talked about the, the transformative 20s. I mean, I bet... Bet you didn't think it would be as transformative as this, but I mean, it's sort of in, in terms of um, our relationship with travel, thinking about what the pandemic has done to that. I mean, lots of people are talking about this as the moment of the great reset to think again. And I noticed that you've been watching David Attenborough's Life on Our Planet um, and really that whole manifesto for change. How does that affect? A business that's about, you know, the luxurious things in life, the getting away, the, the air miles, the, all of the sorts of things that I suppose are up for a bit of a rethink in a year where so much is changing. How does that affect you and your thoughts about what comes next? So I do feel that the themes that came out in that report back in January were about um, deceleration, slowing down, um, getting away from the daily grind. Uh, the other theme was, you know, disconnection. I mean, these themes that came out have essentially been accelerated at mm. a thousand knots. <laughs> um, and so I think we were heading in that direction anyway. And it's not a bad thing. Uh, people will travel and travel is very necessary in this world. It's necessary because it sustains the economies of so, you know, and livelihoods of so many people around the world. I mean, it's just, it, it's not feasible to think of a world without travel because also that opens our minds to different cultures and communication and communication is you know, the key. But I think we can learn from this to travel in a better way in a way that is kinder to the planet and kinder to ourselves as well so I think that you know we, we talk about fast fashion the fast travel right I'm going to jump on a plane go to New York for a meeting and come back I don't think that's going to happen anymore now that's in, that's interesting because because actually I mean I was, I was reading here that you know because I know you are an optimistic person by nature because I've known you for a number of years and um but but I read here that you, you talked about that we'll come back in a more thoughtful way more considered conscientious and kind mm. thoughtful considered conscientious and kind is is that the playbook do you think for for the future I sincerely hope so uh, that is certainly the way that we're going um, I we've teamed up with uh, two incredible organisations, the Blue Marine Foundation and the World Land Trust. So we're going for land and sea, and it's all about protection. Rather than just, you know, giving money to offset your carbon and planting more trees, actually the most important thing is to protect what we have already. Because if we cut down those ancient forests and uh, rainforests, that does more damage than, you know, not planting several trees. 
Um, so that protection is really key. And it's key to our understanding of the world that we get to understand these places, travel to them, communicate with, with people who live there, understand the biodiversity of our planet. I mean, it's just, it's so critical. So it's a more mindful relationship. I mean, I suppose this then goes back to things you were talking about last year. I mean, the future of romantic travel. I mean, mindfulness is a form of romance, isn't it? It's a form of connection. It's a form of being aware. I mean, do you think we'd lost sight of that somehow um, in in the run up to this year? I do. I do. But we were, I think we were already on the path of of that reconnection. Uh, People were becoming aware that it was just too much, that people were going to places just for that Instagrammable uh, picture. And there were lots of signs that reconnecting our romance with the planet and with nature was starting to happen already. And I'm just so pleased that it's it's accelerating now. Mm. I mean, well, let's talk, let's go back to the original Great Escape, the Great Escape for tomorrow, 2003. The original Mr. and Mrs. Smith guidebook comes out. Now, I, I remember this because I I hadn't actually met you then, but I I remember going into Borders on Oxford Street and seeing this phenomenal book with a hotel, a DB5 Aston Martin in the driveway, and it was kind of like, be your own James Bond. And and here was this completely different guidebook. Take take us back to that. In six weeks, I think you sold um, over 10,000 copies, almost 100,000 of that, that first edition. I mean, it was the phenomena of that of that year yes i mean that christmas we were told we would sell 5000 copies of that book in its lifetime and we saw as you say you know we sold 10000 in 6 weeks just before christmas we had to reprint i mean nobody could you know nobody had predicted it um we outsold harry potter in one store in london on one day <laughs> um that really is magic <laughs> yeah and i think it just captured you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith is that throwback to a, a post-war era where people started to travel again and and be in hotels, but it was still frowned upon to be outside of wedlock. And so Mr. and Mrs. Smith was anyone who kind of just wanted to be with someone, even if they were planning on marrying them, you know, later, it was that uh, we're not allowed to talk about sex because we're British. <laughs> um, but it was all behind closed doors. And yes, the, the book, the front cover, it was the first time a travel guide had not picked a picture of a beach on the front cover of a book um it was a closed door slightly ajar actually you could just tell that there was a bed behind it it was very alluring you wanted to kind of you wanted to open that door and see what was behind um so it was all about you know what happens around closed doors i guess what we were saying is you go away to these hotels to be with the people you love and, and I suppose, yeah, you do, and you do, and I suppose it it spoke to the experience that you know you wanted to go to these cool places and and see things. I mean, do, do you think? I mean, just bringing it back to today. I mean, you know, you, you started as a business that looked at these phenomenal places around um, around the UK, and then of course you become a more, much more global business. But do you think in this year in this country that we have? You know, we've restarted the love affair with with what's great about everything that's around us. I mean, because more of us are having to holiday at home and, you know, go much more locally. I mean, has it worked in terms of the experience of the business? Yes. I mean, the the, the UK hotels have 
been incredible throughout this journey with us as well and with with customers making sure that we amend every single booking that has to be cancelled refunded where the customers wanted it you know they have been incredible and from the very beginning the hotels that we wanted to work with in that very first book which was just uk so we went back to our heartland this year where it was really only domestic travel we were trying to find places that, as you say, really cared about the experience that you have in that hotel, that really had a sense of place, that weren't cookie cutter, that cared about their environment, their community, where you went there and the hotel itself was almost the destination um, yeah. because of what it was doing. And, and, and it's that caring attitude, I think, when you've got hoteliers that are there and and really put all their all into the experience that you as a customer have once you walk through that door. They're naturally people who are going to care. I mean, we, we spoke about, um, uh, just before we started recording, about th that so much about travel is the anticipation of travel. Do you think, um, do you think that the... Um, that the anticipation, I mean, obviously a lot of people thought, oh, I've got to stay at home. I've got to go. I've got to go local. But do you think we've actually found some magic on our doorstep, if you like, in terms of rediscovering what a cool country this can be and actually how beautiful um, it, it can be? And actually thinking again, I guess, about um, the place that we come from. I do. I do. I, I do think that people... Uh, will I, I feel the pent up demand to get out of the country as much as I feel that you know people have loved being able to go to a to fabulous hotels in the UK countryside. And with my family during lockdown, we started driving up uh, up the Thames and going wild swimming, and it was just so beautiful. And you mm. know bits of the Thames that I'd never really seen before. And so I do think that we, you know, there is a lot to discover and love here in the UK uh, but I do feel that pent-up demand as well to to roam freer than than the island that we live on well I mean and so I suppose it's going to be the balance I suppose is, is a lot of what what you're saying I mean let's go back to those early days though because you know a lot of entrepreneurs will often talk about that they bet the house on on the business and <laughs> and and you, and you quite literally did that because uh, you and your husband James, who you co-founded the business with, you, you remortgaged your home to yeah. to build the business. I mean, it's an extraordinary tale of a hobby that turned into a major business. Take us back to the motivations, the kind of the the hopes, the fears of that time in terms of why do it. So we, I mean, we were get constantly getting frustrated. So we we knew that there were these hotels out there. And when we had the idea, originally, we didn't want to do the work. We wanted to give it to a publisher. We had the idea, we said, look, we'll give it to a publisher. We've got our jobs already. Um, let's just take a royalty every time a book is sold, you know, and they can do all the hard work. But the problem was we just got told no at every stage. So when we took the idea, they said, you, you can't, um, you can't send a photographer around to each hotel that will blow the budget. You can't put a membership card inside the book. You can't put um, blue, green, red writing on offset paper. It has to be black on white paper. Um, you know, it was every at every turn we were told we can't do it. Mm. And, and what I was your <laughs> what was your response to that though? In terms of the no, did that did that kind of did that get you thinking? Well, 
I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to get I'm it. I'm going to yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah, prove them wrong. I think I, I think if you have an entrepreneurial spirit, uh, and you know a lot of entrepreneurship, can, you can you know can be taught, right? I'm a true believer in that. There's there, there could be an entrepreneur in everyone, but there is this spirit of. I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to keep mm. going at it. And I'm going to, you know, I won't take no for an answer <laughs> that, um, you know, and, 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 and naivety as well is a great uh, trait to have when you're starting a business, because if you knew all the problems that were going to come, you, you might not even start. Well, you might not even start. So I suppose the naivety, but also I suppose in your case, you were the ultimate double act in that, you founded this business with your husband, James. And actually, I suppose the question is, how did that dynamic work in terms of the two of you as people? I mean, are are you both risk takers? Are you both the kind of people that, you know, want to hear yes rather than no? Or or are there differences? I think uh, James is slightly more of a risk taker than I am, but I'm quite determined. So um, I think it's a it's a good match. And uh, yes, in those early days, I mean, we'd go to our day jobs and then we'd come back and we'd work on Mr. and Mrs. Smith in the evening. Uh, in fact, James had a, a, a vintage car that had to be uh, driven every day. Otherwise, it would just, you know, start to fall apart and the, the battery would die and everything. So every evening we'd get in the car and we'd have like our board meetings in the car driving around London. Um, and, uh, um, so that's how we started. And uh, it just fell naturally. So we weren't working together every single bit of every single of every day to start with that mm. kind of grow over time. But, but you just mentioned an interesting word there. You said you're very determined. Tell us a little bit about where that, where, where does that determination come from? Do you think? I mean, has that been something that's been with you all of your life? I mean, I'd, I'd love to sort of get a sense of the younger Tamara now in terms of what, what gets you to the entrepreneur? What did you think you were going to be? Yeah, I, I was always very independent um, begged to go to boarding school uh, and leave home. I always, you know, begged to travel. Travel is in my DNA. Um, why, why, do you, why do you think that is? What, what, what was the sort of the urge that, to get away from it, I guess, in terms of or, so, or go somewhere new? I, I grew up in Ibiza, a small island, um, you know, Paradise Island, as it was back then. And when my parents divorced, my father moved back to the UK and um, we started flying from the, from Ibiza to the UK and I remember being that child with a lanyard around my neck uh, and and these glamorous air hostesses would take me by the hand and I'd go and uh, into the cockpit and chat to the pilot and I was transported to another world and I thought this was just the most incredible thing that could ever happen and I've you know travel has been uh, one of my inspiration and motivations ever since. But I didn't know about jobs in travel. Mm. But but I suppose the, the escapism, the ro- as we say, back to the romance of it in terms of seeing this, this, this world. I mean, but I also think, you know, your, your career is, is very much, um, I, I think one of constant change. I mean, you know, the, the business began as a, a, as a book, it moved into being a travel, a travel club Um to being very much a technology platform. You've gone from being an entrepreneur to and a founder to being a chief technology officer, CTO um, within the business now to being chief executive. Is it? I mean, does that, does movement, I mean, does that kind of constant need to sort of change and evolve? I mean, is that part of the Tamara story? Learning, I think, yes, always learning. And um, 
potentially I was C I was CTO of the business for 12 years, potentially a little bit too long. I got to the stage where I thought I couldn't bring more to the team. So I replaced myself as CTO. But yes, constantly wanting to improve uh, and learn. I, yeah, I think I've always been like that. I think I probably get it from my mother, who was also very determined. Uh, she was an entrepreneur, started a dating agency way back in uh, in the 90s, um, before there were any databases or anything. So her database was a, a load of paper files uh, racked up in our uh, sitting room. And in the evenings, she would say to me, uh, pull out all the men who are 45 who play tennis in Shropshire. And I would rifle and through all that. <laughs> so, so that's interesting. So, so, so the dating agency, you finish up coming up with a business which is about modern love and the future of romantic <laughs> travel. There's a, there's a definite um, line there. And I suppose also having an entrepreneurial parent, when, when you told your mum that, you were going to do this. Um, What's her response? What did she say in terms of, you know, I'm going to remortgage my house. My husband and I are going to form a business. What could possibly go wrong? She has, she is the most supportive, you know, positive thinking person I know. Uh, so she has always just said, just do what makes you happy. Um, and uh, yeah, she's, she's amazing. Mm. What, what did you think you were going to do? I mean, obviously, you know, you became a CTO, but it wasn't it wasn't the sort of the, you know, as if you'd done us a computer science degree, worked at Microsoft. I mean, this was a journey for you in terms of getting there. What what, what was the um, what was your early self thinking about in terms of what you might do? So, I mean, when I came through university, becoming an entrepreneur was not a thing. It was not something that you were encouraged to do. And the, the university that I went to encouraged you to go into either banking or consulting, essentially, um, even with a languages degree. Uh, so and and also I looked out at that time at the potential jobs and, and companies in travel. So, you know, the big ones, Thomas Cook, Tui, and and, and they didn't inspire me as a uh, as a young person. And so I never thought about a, either a career in travel or entrepreneurship. You know, that mm. came much later. And I mean, and you, you've created a category, I guess, in terms of what you've done. I mean, um, we worked together on, on your crowdfunding um, raise in October 2018, where, you know, you you sought to um, target a million pounds worth of investment. You got over six. I mean, in terms of actually capturing the imagination, what, what do you think people are buying into when they when they invest like that? I think they believe in the curation aspect of the business and the, the trust. So when we first uh, uh, published the first book, the thinking behind it was it had to be like uh, – the little black book that you would open up to a friend it was your trusted friend's guide to the best places and not only that all the information like you know which room to book which table in the restaurant to book uh, you know what you should wear what you should take all those kind of nuggets that you would get from a really good friend so the knowledge the knowledge and the curation so our curation standards there is nobody out there who curates like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. You know, we personally go and visit every single hotel and we don't have a tick box that doesn't have to have stars or diamonds or rosettes. We don't judge a hotel like that. It's all about the experience. So we train our curators to go into a hotel and feel 
how they feel with all their senses. You know, what's the, what is the mood lighting? What can you smell as you walk around the hotel? What do the fabrics feel like? You know, do you get excited? And, you know, when you walk into the bedroom, I want them to feel, and I want every single member to get that excited feeling and want to jump on the bed. Because it's that, mm. isn't it? It's when, when you go away to a hotel and it's like, wow, this is mine for the weekend. <laughs> I mean, I mean I'm, I'm saying, listening to you now, I'm thinking, goodness, it, you know, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful expression, but it also feels like, like this year has been the undoing of so much of that in terms of our, our, our opportunity. I mean, let, let, let's, let's come back to that to finish with in terms of, you know, what you've spoken about it feels almost nostalgic in the sense that so many of us, you know, love to get out and about and, and it's a big part of what it means to be um, a human being, the ability to, to experience other cultures and places and people. Mm-hmm. When you look at this year and you look at the sort of the long-term implications of what you think it might mean to you, um, to you as a business, to you and your husband as a team, I mean, let's let's finish there in terms of actually that that thinking about what what comes next. So our our strategy is to has been to simplify the business. Uh, we've had to do that, and to just double down on what it is that we do best. So when I look back at what we were attempting to do back in January, all the projects we had, all the periphery stuff that has now just gone, I think, wow, we can just make the things that people really value us in their lives for better by complete and utter focus and that is very empowering for the team because it makes decision making extremely easy it means we can focus all our scarce resource on doing what really makes a difference and it becomes you know the prioritization becomes easy and for the traveler I mean, that, that I get that for you as a business. Yes. You're going to become a tighter ship. It's going to be very focused. But in terms of the experience of travel where, you know, it's still in recent memory, very much as you say, you know, very evocatively recalled it. You know, you could just get on a plane, go anywhere, do anything. I mean, where in a world where we've got more used to restrictions, less able to move, in terms of the near future, in terms of the future you're preparing for, in terms of your market, how, how do you see it? How do you see the future of the traveller? I think, you know, never before has it been more important to be there for our members when they wanted to cancel amend. You know, it, it's a very personal thing, travel. And, you know, coming back to the dating agency and my mother, you know, we want to be, a, be that matchmaker between someone and their perfect stay away. And, you know, the, of course, technology can enable that. And we're, you know, we're making great strides that like every business is on the technology side. But I think that it's also important to have the human side to the business and that support and that member support that we've been giving so far and will continue to do in the future is is going to be critical because people will feel you know it'll take some time for people to feel confident in traveling again they will need more information and and we'll be there to guide them oh tomorrow we could go on but unfortunately we have to bring this fantastic conversation um to an end and i i suppose there you go you know travel um you've spoken about it in those romantic ways the matchmaker and it reminded me there of the song, Love and Marriage Goes Together Like a Horse and Carriage, very much that kind of, well, 
or, or do they? Well, that, that I guess, is for the guests, to, uh, for the listeners to take um, their view on. But like all great holidays, in the end, it does come time to check out, as indeed it's time to check out for this episode. So a big thank you there to Tamara Lorne, Mr. and Mrs. Thank Smith. And um, absolute pleasure, Tamara. And do join me next time for more five-star guests on The Changemakers. <laughs>